Welcome to What's Your Forte, the interview series presented by Bandology. Bandology is a proud Canadian nonprofit dedicated to more music for more kids via education, collaboration, and community. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mandology's interview series. My name is Sandy Wright, and I'm the education manager at Mandology, and today I have the absolute pleasure of talking to Brent Rowan. Nice to see you, Brent. Nice to see you, too. Thanks for having me, Sandy. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Um, essentially, uh, I often call myself a professional community musician. Um, what I mean by that is I make music with people in communities, um, and I do that for a living, so I feel like that means I'm a professional. Uh, but I, I'm a jazz saxophone player, so you know, uh, teaching jazz improvisation concepts, playing gigs. Um, a lot of it is based around group music making with uh, either youth uh, in, in smaller configurations, often jazz-related, um, but uh, I also do a lot of work with a, a New Horizons band program, which is geared towards adults, um, more aging adults. And we're all kinds of music, wind band and various different types of ensembles. That's super cool. Um, can you tell me a little bit about like what those, how those bands have been like adapting to like dealing with like, you know, the COVID process and like the remote ways you've been approaching that stuff? Sure. Um, with an immense amount of energy and patience is <laughs> the actual answer to that. Um, I would say basically when pandemic hit, uh, I quickly went, okay, I've got to engage these people uh, for two reasons. And the, 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 probably the most important reason was to just keep people active in music-making opportunities, um, especially in the New Horizons program. Uh, you know, a lot of older adults, it was their social opportunity and their, you know, cognitive engagement and physical engagement activity was playing in various mm -hmm. music ensembles. So I kind of went, mm, I've got to do something to keep them engaged. Um, but also it was my living, right? So it was sort of a like, well, adapt or don't have a job, i.e. house. <laughs> so, and I have kids too. So, you know, like it's all part of it. Um, so I just kind of went on a giant exploration of like what's out there uh, and kind of found various different, um, what we would call telematic music uh, platforms. So where you're making music synchronously mm -hmm. uh, online um, and just settled on one platform that seemed to be uh, sort of the best in terms of the, the, the sort of the balance between how much tech was required to set up and uh, ease of use, but also functionality. So it had the lowest, what we would call latency, the lowest delay. So you could play with people in real time. Yeah. Um, and that was called Jamulus. And then, uh, but that's audio only. And then we would just we figured out a way to run Zoom at the same time with, with that program. So you're doing visuals here on Zoom and audio just with Jamulus. And, and ultimately what we did is we created real-time online band programs. Uh, and I used those, I would say, mainly with the New Horizons program. Um, it was the largest program. Um, and the demographic that was, I would say, most heavily impacted by uh, restrictions and lockdowns and, and uh, you know, because they're thought of as the vulnerable population. Um, whereas my youth ensemble, um, we actually did find ways to continue rehearsing uh, in person. Um, they did a little bit of the online exploration, but ultimately restrictions kept kind of getting lifted and not lifted and, you know, back and forth so much that they found ways to keep rehearsing in some form mm -hmm. or another. 
cool. That's really interesting, especially like that have forced of like having to adapt to new things. Um, and also like, you know, the fact that the kids still found ways to like keep playing and, f- and keep practicing. Cause that's sort of the cool thing about, you know, being a student musician is you're like, you get really driven and excited to do it um, rather than tired, which is what I am. Um, but for you, uh, when did you sort of start first pick up an instrument sort of start getting into music as a young person or an older young person, whatever? Uh, I would say young person, um, I, I sort of, I think a bit of a funny story for me, it was funny. Um, you know, I'm the youngest of three kids and each kid took piano lessons and they went to that, you know, that woman over there, she taught you piano. And uh, my brother did a bunch of years and then uh, he's seven years older. So that by the time I started, I think he was into, into like band music in schools and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but my sister was really into this teacher. So I went there. I don't, I don't know exactly how old I was, five, six, maybe seven years old, somewhere in that range. And I did not like it. It was like, um, I would say what some people would call traditional classical music lessons, you know, like, you know, ruler on the back of the hand when you make a mistake. Uh, I mean, this is my memory of it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't nearly that bad. She was quite a lovely woman. Just, just, you know, that, that older music teacher kind of thing. And I didn't, I didn't dig that at all. So I I think after two years, uh, like that was enough kind of pain for me, but it just, you know, very fluke like, um, my dad was like, oh, I remember running into some guy who was a piano teacher. He, I had a flat tire. Or I forget he had a flat tire or my dad had a flat tire and on the side of the road and they ended up stopping and chit-chatting and yada, yada. And, and, and turns out he was a, a piano teacher, uh, fairly close by where we lived as well. Um, but into more of like ragtime and things like that. So like, like courting and playing melodies and, and things like that. Um, not straight up uh, classical focused. And so I went to that guy to start some lessons and I loved that stuff. Uh, I loved that. He still made me learn my scales and my chords and things like that, but, uh, and, you know, fingering and technique, but he really like, it was, it was fun for me because it wasn't the strict classical like music. There was some element of like improvisation in terms of the chord you used or the voicing you created and stuff like that. So I, I kind of liked that, but, um, so that's kind of where I started. And then in schools, we, like, I think it was a grade six, they gave us recorders to blow into, you know, but my older brother and sister already played wind instruments. So I wanted to learn the recorder and pretend I was in the wind band with them. So, I would, you know, I'd, I would play the recorder and um, my dad is a church organist. So we would go to, to church sometimes and play all their instruments with him. Um, so that, you know, that's kind of where I started with music things, you know, and then, and then instrumental music in school, uh, I, I um, got onto the saxophone there and started playing saxophone. And I mean, I can c- continue this like journey for hours, but really, that's kind of where I started uh, with the, with music playing. That journey is actually the next part of the question, which is, and how did that sort of go from, oh, I really do this all the time, and I'm really enjoying it, into, oh, I want to do this for my job, and I'm going to stick with that uh, forever. <laughs> Well, it, it was sort of, uh, I guess it was kind of an on and off, uh, do I want to do this like like full time? Because I know that in, I believe I stopped piano lessons in grade nine, I believe is when I stopped, uh, or took them for part of grade nine somewhere. But somewhere in that last little while with this piano teacher, 
I recognize now that he was going through a difficult time in his life in terms of, I think his wife had just passed away and, and he was kind of just sort of struggling with, you know, how much do I want to play and how much do I want to teach and things like that. But I remember him saying, you don't want to be a musician. You don't, you don't want that kind of life. Mm-hmm. And, and that, it really stuck with me a little bit. I was like, Ooh, really? Oh dear. Um, so that's not why I stopped piano. I stopped piano because I got quite busy at school and just kind of had to make a choice of, well, I like sports. I like the band stuff. Uh, you know, I got to do school. I also came from a farm. So there was farming responsibilities there too. Um, so I had to let the piano go um, as, as well as, you know, that, that was the thing that was costing us money too. Right. So um, that was also a consideration, but so, you know, played in, in all the bands in high schools and things. And then towards the end of high school, got into, um, I guess I would call it a community group, but it was a little, it wasn't really open to anyone. It was kind of an invitation only group that was run like a professional group, but it was all um, advanced high school or university students from the area. And we played in a fairly, it was a, it was a pretty good band. It was jazz focused and we would go play gigs in parks and sometimes seniors homes and things like that. Um, so I did that and, uh, but, uh, but, and I kept into that or kept up as part of that when I went off to university and I did not go into music because I decided I wanted to teach. And I said to myself, well, I can always play in a community band. So, or, you know, maybe direct a band. So I don't, I don't want to go into music. Uh, I, I can, I can feed the music uh, need through community band things. And I really like sports. And I was like, well, you know, maybe I could go into kinesiology or something, be a gym teacher. And then I'm like, no, I can always coach a team or play in teams or something like that. So I don't need to do that. And then I thought, well, what's my best subject? My best subject at the time was math. So I'm like, okay, go into math, be a math teacher. It's obvious. I have no idea now, like, what was I thinking as an 18-year-old kid, like 17-year-old kid, whatever. So I went to math and got a degree in mathematics from Waterloo. And uh, it turns out that math is pretty hard. Um, but I stuck with it and finished the degree. And then, but in the mean, in, in, in that whole time, I stayed with that community jazz group, right? So I was playing some of these, these gigs. And the, and the leader of that group was, was uh, fairly progressive with the music he was doing. So it was very interesting and engaging music. And one of my good friends in that ensemble did go straight into a music program after high school and he was raving about it and it was fantastic. And I would start to, I was a few years older than him. So by the time he was in there, I was getting near the end of my degree. And and I would start going to his, some of his um, just sort of social functions in terms of music activities at his school, at his university. And, and it was great. And I was meeting these people and sometimes I would play and it was, it was great. I was like, wow, I don't hate this. This is kind of cool. You know, I'd hate to regret at age whatever, whatever I thought was old at that time, you know, not going into music. So I decided that I would apply to Humber for their jazz program. And I got in and I went there and I still remember going, driving to school on the first day thinking, oh, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. And then driving home after the first day, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. They're going to give me marks for practicing and listening to music. This is awesome. So, you know, that kind of made it easy. Uh, got a job at a local store teaching music to supplement going to school. Um, you know, so I realized there was the teaching 
right? I fulfilled the teaching need that I felt like I had, but I was also doing music, so that was really good. And then that store started to create these small ensembles, so I started teaching jazz ensembles at the store. Um, and and then finally finished the undergrad and was you know was gigging a lot as well uh, as a jazz musician and and uh, the ensemble thing just kind of kept growing um, and that kind of I guess I would say launched a career in playing music so I was gigging I was teaching um, and you know but also I should you know also acknowledge I did have some other part time jobs too like I was working like crazy just to make a living. Um, so it's not just that math was hard. It's like music was hard too. But the difference being I loved the music part, you know, like it, it really was a love. So I think that's kind of where the career started. Yeah, that sort of that journey of like getting to a point, And I know I went to school with people who did degrees and then went, no, 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 no. I can't not do music. And now they're having productive lives after that. Thank, thankfully, I find they often have more productive lives right after because they've got a longer time to build relationships and are also maybe a little more panic driven than a yeah. 20, than I was at 22. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think it's, uh, I think it's really cool to see that like ability of like music to like come back and grab you and go like, Oh no, 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 this is, this is that driving thing for you. And for those kind of come back and grab you periods or like during that undergrad, did you have like, do you have like major influences or like mentors that really like either inspired you just by listening to them or were like helped guide you through that like process? Well, I mean, what I would say the, the main mentor that got me going into music was that friend in that, in that ensemble. Um, I often, like I still play with him. I'm actually in a PhD program with him right now. <laughs> it's kind of cool, you know, 30 years later or whatever. Um, but I often introduce him as my oldest musical friend, um, you know, without his encouragement to, to come to his school and experience it and try it out, you know, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have happened. Um, you know, and then when I got to school, my first teacher, my first private teacher in first year was amazing. He, he was just you know, I, I was also not fresh out of university, right? So I was like 24, I think, when I started that program. Um, so, you know, he, he recognized that I'd already had a little bit more life experience than some of the other students. Um, and so we would end up having pretty deep conversations about life and direction and things like that, as much as we did about, you know, make sure you know that mode of that scale and that chord and do this transcription and stuff. Yeah. Um, so he was really, really good. Um I would say as were all of the teachers at Humber, they were all at that time really, really just, they cared about the person and they, you know, they, they made you work, but they also made you feel like you were cared for. And that was, that really was lovely to see. So they were all great mentors. And then of course, you know, like I still recall one of the lessons that my, my first year teacher says, yeah, you sound a little bit like Art Pepper. You must be really into him. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I like Art Pepper. I had no idea who Art Pepper was at that time. So I, of course, immediately went over to Tower Records and bought five Art Pepper, Art Pepper discs. And I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. <laughs> so I would say that was an early influence. Um, but also like, you know, just, yeah, li listening to all kinds of different music was, was amazing. But uh I think so. All of my teachers at Humber were really good mentors. Yeah, no, that's awesome. But having that sort of like positive academic experience generally help is always very beneficial. I know that having those like teacher education supports throughout all the times I've been at school, um, and this is rings true with every musician I know who's gone like the academic route. 
they that's always really valuable and that's something that people are always like yes i like i'm glad for that because it helps you give you the support you need because it is tough um but the highs of that challenge can be extraordinarily like can feel very worth it and for you what would you sort of like think of as some like career highlights since then or during that time all the way up to like now either as a conductor director or as a performer sure um i mean there's a few highlights for me um one of them would be i have to say being nominated for a juno that was really really happening um I played, well, still play. We have a new album coming out pretty soon again. Uh, it's been a few years, but a band called Echo Deck, which is world music. Um, and so we played uh, a lot of different gigs all over the place, festivals. Uh, you know, we went to the UK for, for one tour, um, you know, mostly across Canada stuff. But uh, it, it earned us a Juno knob twice. But the first time we got to fly to Vancouver and play as part of the uh, Juno Fest and and that was just an an awesome experience you know like uh, you were you were literally hanging out and meeting with all of the famous musicians you'd ever heard of nobody heard of us because we're world music category uh, what's world music kind of thing right but but uh, you know I, it's one of the reasons I don't like Nickelback is because they were standing in front or sitting in front of us at the show and that was the year they kept winning so they kept blocking me from being on camera because they were standing up to receive their award. So I was like, ah, stupid Nickelback. <laughs> but, but that's kind of the cool thing though. You were seeing all these people and, and, but the, 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 the sort of enlightening moment for me then is meeting all these other musicians, you know, at various backstage events and at Junos and things like that. You're meeting them and you're chatting with them and guess what? They're normal people. They talk about some of the same stuff you talk about. Like, you know, what you had for dinner and how you cooked that thing or the, you know, the state of the world or like whatever. They just talk about normal stuff. So, so the Juno thing was a highlight, uh, but also like uh, enlightening uh, for me. So, so that was one of the highlights. And I think all the festivals that we ended up playing with that band were, was also quite a highlight. But, um, you know, recording my own albums was, was very um, fulfilling for me. Um, recording with other people has been really fulfilling and playing, you know, different, different gigs in different places has been great. Um, uh, I would say actually a highlight too was, was graduating the community music program from Wilfrid Laurier and traveling to Munich and presenting my research findings at a conference in Munich. That was, that was quite a highlight, um, to be able to have that opportunity was, was amazing and immense. Um, yeah. And I just, I just feel like, um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly lucky in that I've so far made a career doing music things and essentially I've created all of that. I haven't, yes, I've applied for gigs and things, but all of the programs that I run and direct, I created all of those uh, or, or was asked to design some of them. So I feel fortunate that I've been able to have such input into my career and sort of control ultimately of my career. Um, I feel very fortunate uh, for that opportunity. And I don't think that happens in, in all in all kinds of life job streams, but certainly in the arts and in music, if you're a creative person, you can create your own work a lot of times. Yeah, that's very, that sort of ability to have ownership is, ton, a lot of people find that important, but it's also, it's something that is, the amount of people I know in music who's like, well, it wasn't there, so just made it is extraordinarily large and it's partially necessity the way music is funded can be challenging um, <laughs> for people uh, but i know it's also like really rewarding having like put on shows over the last couple of years and done things it's just like it's so much fun to just go oh no i made that and i did it and i got support from places but i still made it and had to have it go from conception to execution um 
which is can be really challenging. Um, and uh, I think in some ways, music gives helps give kids those skills to take on those challenges. Um, but for you, how would you sort of like? How would you say music? What? How do you? Why? The, why is music education important to you? Maybe is the best way to put it. Uh, do you think it is important? To the yeah, world? I mean that's maybe a cool question be, because I think to answer that question, we want to maybe think about what what is music education? What do we mean by that? Uh, mm-hmm. Are we talking about institutionalized education or are we talking about education in a community music setting or, or self-driven music education uh, or lived experience music education, right? Like all of those things are education. And I think they're all important because it means that we're engaging people in playing or learning about music and, and you know, the the literature on why that's good for our function, our cognitive function, which mm-hmm. in impacts our mental function, which impacts our physical function and our spiritual function is all like, it's huge, right? So, so is music education important? Yeah. Why is it important to me? Because it makes everybody, uh, you know, healthier, ultimately their overall well-being is impacted by engagement in music. Uh, that's, that's not me just creating some kind of hypothesis. There's the literature's out there if you want to go read about it. So, um, yeah. And I think, I think, um, I might just say if, I know for me, it, it fills uh, like my kind of, uh, I feel like one of my purposes is to help people listen and understand uh, each other, uh, you know, in as many ways as possible. And so if I can use music as the tool to help people learn how to listen and communicate, because a part of playing music is learning how to communicate, you know, what do I play? What are you playing? You know, and how that works together. It's really just communication. So if I can use music as a tool to help that communication and that listening ability, then I feel like I'm doing my part to help, you know, our world and our society communicate better. At least that's what I hope. Yeah, there's definitely, and playing with people, I think, is a huge thing that a lot of, like, music lessons at their start can miss out on and why, um, like, all the piano books have, like, teacher accompaniment parts because you get a chance to play with someone and that communication through music even though it's like i'm going to play the accompaniment you're going to play mary had a little lamb um but uh more kids i've taught light up when they like are excited about playing the piece with the accompaniment than are excited just practicing because they're like oh i get to hear this um and then oh i get to be in charge because i get to do the counting this time and those sort of like ability to like grow and be like communicate in a in a new way is really i think one of the best parts of like be like for people learning how to play music absolutely yeah for sure for sure and that that's actually been one of the challenges in going to the remote environment is how do we provide that same kind of engagement and opportunity um so that's actually an area of interest i have uh, to how do we improve that it's definitely been weird uh, as a musician attempting to navigate it and as a person who's taught through it um yeah for on that you work with youth musicians obviously and a lot of the things you've done and the things you do now but like do you have any advice to young musicians who are sort of interested in like having that sort of you know what musicians might call a portfolio career where it's like oh i do this and i do this and i do a little bit of this and it's all but it's all music and it's all stuff that's like for me do you have like oh this is what i've learned or don't do this um kind of thing well i mean do it do it because you want to do it would be important because then you know that you're going to be engaged because engaging people in music is often the biggest challenge, I think, right? Like, um, however, 
also very important to try and be open to new things. So be very willing and open to try a variety of musics um, so that you can figure out what it is you like and want to get into, right? And then and then follow what those needs and likes are. And I, I mean, I'm still like listening to stuff I've never heard before. And somebody says, oh, do you know so-and-so? I'm like, oh, no, I don't know that. And and it'll turn out to be like this really cool jazz saxophone player that I'd never heard of before. And I'm like, I'm a jazz saxophone player. I should know about this guy. But nope, I didn't. Uh, so being open to other people's um, information is really important. But then just, you know, do what you want to do. Follow your heart. And and then you're being authentic, right? Like if you're if you're trying to do something just to, you know, make a dollar, that's a that's a bit of a drag. Sometimes it's necessary to, necessary to, to, to have enough money to buy groceries. But at the same time, it, you know, if you think about it, like almost on that energetic level, uh, if I'm into something and I put positive energy out, the positive energy will come back. If I really don't want to engage in that and I don't like it, I'm not really putting anything positive out there. So positive stuff's generally not coming back to me. So, so do it because you like it and want to do it, right? Although that is probably a, more of a challenge uh, given, <laughs> given the need to... <laughs> To work yeah there's always that sort of like work-life reality balance that yeah. you're sort of juggling and that's just generally true for i think anybody going into you know life post university post college yeah um now for sure but yeah. music gets aggravated it's aggra- exacerbated by the sort of world of how gates work and how jobs work in that industry yeah for sure um, but but it, but also i think it's important to say as well you need to make sure that you're putting the effort into it. It's not just put mm-hmm. positive energy out there and it'll come back and it'll be fine and, and you know, whatever, but, but you actually have to do put in the effort, right? Like if you're not practicing, you know, like I, I have students that say, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing half an hour a day. I'm like, that's great. Uh, how about five hours a day? You know, how about it? Charlie Parker practiced for 11 hours every day for three years straight. <laughs> that's why he's Charlie Parker and plays like that. Played like that. Sorry. I mean, I, he might not have any of him left after practicing eleven hours straight. That might be like, yeah, yeah he might not yeah. have a lot of Charlie Parker post that. But yeah. it is, it is very true, especially in an environment where you're trying to like find your place in it, and you have to put effort into that. Um, and that's something that I can reflect as a young person entering that career. You definitely have to do work. It's it takes oh, time, sure. and things for don't sure. always jump in your lap. And I know I've been very lucky in coming from a place of enormous privilege uh in the ability to like how i can like feel safe in like living and surviving um but uh on a lighter note um do you have uh we have a few questions sort of round out our interview um that are sort of more fun questions and more for just like hey more sort of like last bit get to know you they're called the fast five so just like you can answer as long as you want but if you but we're i'm timing you um so question one you ready yep Favorite movie soundtrack? Incredibles. That's a good choice. That's a really good pick. It's oh. the choice. Question two. Uh, what is an instrument you wish you played? I'm going to say guitar because I feel like everybody expects that I can play guitar. That's but fair. I also, it's one of those like, oh, it'd be cool to just carry a guitar somewhere and play around the campfire and stuff. Because, you know, mm-hmm. a saxophone around a campfire doesn't go over as good. Scares everybody away. It's a little loud, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would yeah, you call I don't know. Yeah. yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, there are instruments that just don't translate. Uh, the clarinet was like that, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and that's a lot quieter. Um, so for 
non-musically or musically, but what's, what would you call your hidden talent? <laughs> My hidden talent. If I tell you, it's not hidden anymore. Okay. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the, the, definitely the first time that's been the answer to the question, but fair, absolutely fair. Um, so for you, question four, uh, what's the favorite concert you've ever attended? Uh, favorite's difficult because it imposes a judgment and makes me have to say that one style of music is better than another style of music. So I can't really say there's a favorite, but Kenny Garrett at the Du Maurier Theater was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Um, Bob McFerrin at Massey Hall was was way up there as well. But the one that usually makes people go, what, was Alice Cooper. I saw Alice Cooper and it was like, What? That's how you do a really intense, like, yeah, show. Holy, like. Yeah, I've seen clips of Alice Cooper shows, and they're not appropriate for anyone that is relatively young. Um, uh, but it's, it's at, they're, they look like wild experiences. And he's so, he's like yeah. old and just still doing it. And it's, yeah. it's wild that he still does it. I would say 20 years ago at a outdoor festival is where I saw him. I saw three three bands in a row, Steppenwolf with John Kay, and that was good. I was like, that's a good band. Then we saw the B-52s, and I was like, ooh, the B-52s, they got a killing tight band. Ah, uh, no, the singers, uh, yeah. um, but the, uh, well, the lead singer was a little suspect at that show, but, um, and they were good. But then Alice Cooper came on, and I was just like, what? This is insanity in terms of the intensity and the flow and the like, just like, this is what we're doing. That's how you put on a show. Woo. Yeah. No, I can believe that. It sounds, yeah. that would be pretty fun. good. Um, and now for the sort of worst question uh, during the particular times we are in, but what would be your dream vacation? If you were going to just go somewhere, where would your dream vacation be? It doesn't have to be to a fancy exotic place. It could just be, I stay at home and nobody talks to me for six days. Yeah. But, well, you know, it's funny, like in, in a lot of the work I do, I think the assumption would be that I'm like an extrovert and want to be out and talk to people all the time. But um, it, it's pretty much exactly the opposite to that. I would like to just hide. Um, you know, if I could live in the cabin in the bush forever, that would be okay too. I'd probably start to miss people eventually. But I always feel like that would be a, a nice place to be. So, you know, I sometimes go between this idea of, oh, I'd love to see, you know, Ireland in the hills and, you know, drink scotch and stuff like that. That would be lovely in Scotland, you know, as well, like just kind of tour that whole UK area. Um, uh, but I also feel like just wilderness, remote wilderness would be very, bring me back and energizing tune with nature, stuff like that. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. You can get that in the UK, fun fact. Um, hmm. But uh, so you can combine the two. You do a Scotch tour on Isla, and then you go up to the Cairngorms, and you're <laughs> you going to right. um, When are we going? I don't know. You know, the world is uh, will hopefully be safer a safer place to be uh, traveling soon. Um, but in the meantime, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today. Do you have any sort of exciting plans or new projects coming up? I know that like we're only like a couple months into the new year, but like, do you have anything like you're thinking is like maybe more concrete than you're like? I think we're, I'm excited for that to happen. Well, I, I am excited about this new Echo Deck album because it's it's literally been a decade since we put an album out, so I'm excited about that. Um, you know, from the like getting out and playing festivals and all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, I think for me, really, I'm I'm 
pretty excited about uh, a project with the International New Horizons program. Um, it is it is a worldwide program. Um, the majority of it, of these programs are in North America, uh, but we're working on ways to have uh, synchronous music making ensembles or telematic musicking. It's the terminology I'm using. Uh, so we're engaging adults to play music together in real time with each other from across North America. Uh, we did a pilot project in the fall. Uh, and it was very successful, a lot of interest in that. So I, I'm looking forward to how that program continues to develop because that's pretty exciting. And, you know, it's cutting, cutting, cutting edge technology, but also with an aging demographic. Like, um, you know, our average participant probably age is at around 70. Uh, they're not necessarily people that are always thought of as... Um, tech savvy and, mm -hmm. and engaging in online activities, but but this really speaks to the whole you know music for life uh, kind of movement is is uh, start young, but you know uh, you can continue this journey all the way through. You know, as an athlete, you eventually your body says no more no more football, uh, but yeah. very rarely does it say no more music. So these are these are the opportunities I'm most excited about. Yeah, no, that's awesome, and that sounds that sounds super cool, and I hope that the next stage of that goes super well. But again, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Uh, I've been Sandy Wright talking to Brent Rowan. Uh, this has been Bandology's interview series for this week. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you want to watch more of our stuff, we have stuff out every Monday and Thursday on our Bandology Facebook page, and then it gets uploaded to YouTube a little bit after that. So thank you so much for wa wa listening. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you heard, you can learn more about our organization at bandology.ca, which features information about music education, advocacy and research, and our Play a Gig and Bandcamp programs. Follow us on social media for more videos, performance and interviews on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.